Welcome to TerryWilson3.com, home of TW3. Are, are, are you ready to take your money, business, and life to the next level? You are worth more, and you're about to hear how and why. So buckle up and listen up as we journey to the next level. Please welcome your guys to reach your goals, the TW3 family. family. Terry Wilson. How to be comfortable being uncomfortable. That's what I want to talk to my guest uh, about today. I've got two rock stars that are going to be on the show with me today. I'm so excited to bring you this podcast. I've got a wonderful uh, TW3 rep out there in Southern California uh, at the Don Altry Agency com that will be on first for a few moments with us uh, this was actually recorded live in a mastermind uh, group uh, training that we had just this past week and then here in person in the studio with me I've got uh, one of the owners at anytime fitness Rose associate that's going to be in sharing her experiences and both of them have this one underlying message if you want to succeed, if you want to advance in your career, if you want to advance in your health, if you want to reach your goals, if you want to find success, however you define that, because everybody's a level of success and definition of success and, and what they're going after is going to be different. But if you want to find that elusive goal that you're going after, you're going to have to develop the ability to be comfortable being uncomfortable. As I have been doing this for 14 years working with people, I can tell you the people, the clients that I've had that have just become rock stars. I, and I have been privileged to work with a who's who list and been able to have people that uh, I never thought dreamt was imaginable to be able to rub elbows with and work with. Uh, I've had Grammy Award winning artists like Bill Champlin from the group Chicago on this podcast and got to know I've had uh, friends in the entrepreneur space that at one one 10 years ago over a decade ago I was like man if it could if I could just uh, get to half that level and now I'm, I'm able to be in the same room with some of these folks I mean it is just unimaginable to me uh, what the good Lord has afforded us here at TW3 and then to have clients that are regularly making five, 10 grand a week working on their schedule in a laptop lifestyle in multiple various industries, insurance, real estate, direct sales, retail, restaurant, affiliate marketing, uh, training, coaching, you name it. We've got clients. Uh, uh, it's just been absolutely amazing. But here's the horror story behind that. And because there is a horror story. There's been clients that just were worse off for buying TW3 in our platform and our training than before. Why? Because they spent money on the training. They spent money on the software. They spent money on the system. Didn't go anywhere. Lost everything and then became even more bitter and probably blames me or someone uh, for uh, the results. And I can tell you there's the one common denominator that uh, it sort of weeds out, you know, the wheat from the chaff when it comes to who's going to be successful, and who's not in various pursuits. And it's the same reason why for years I tried to lose weight and never could. It's the same thing. It's the ability 
to take responsibility for myself, my action, my results, and, and, and in doing that, making the changes that I have to make. See, there is a, there is a crazy thing that happens to all of us. I, I've been studying this and, and thinking about this and, and trying to articulate this and, and really get my mind. Why is it that it's so easy for me, like so many other people, it's just to make excuses and blame other people? Why is that always a human's natural default? And it just occurred to me uh, as I was running, and, and I apologize for being such a slow learner. If if you guys hear my uh, what I landed on here and you go, well, duh, Terry. Well, for me to become better, for me to become a better version of TEW3, for me to become a better entrepreneur, a better husband, a better father, a better friend, a better minister of the gospel, a better Christian, I have to change. I have to, growth requires change. If I'm going to become better, if I'm going to grow up in whatever area of life I want, if I'm going to become better, I've got to change because growth means I have to change. And I think what I and maybe others, maybe you, I don't know, but ask yourself this. Is my natural default to always blame other people, blame systems, blame training, blame people, blame culture, blame the president, blame the economy? Is my natural default to go there because it takes me off the hook of having to make any changes because changes are going to make me uncomfortable? You're going to hear from two people today that have really taken their money, business, life, their health, their goals, their everything that they're doing. They've gone to the next level. And the way they've been able to do it is gotten real comfortable with being uncomfortable. So I want you to hear these conversations I was able and I was privileged to have with them right now. Inspiring, informative, and entertaining content for the entrepreneur and small business owner. So I'm on the phone with DonAutryAgency.com. Donald, how you doing? I'm doing great, Terry. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I know you had tons of time to prepare for this, but I wanted to ask you real quick, how long have you been with TW3? Uh, well, to be honest with you, I've been with TW3 for about uh, 10 months. For 10, 10 months. months. Awesome. So you've been studying the, the platform and all of the nuances about it. You just got your tap card. Uh, give me your feedback so far. What do you think about the tap card? What do you think about the, the app that uh, we've been introducing and unrolling for the last year? Uh, give me some feedback. Um, well, um, I think the new tap cards are, are really awesome. Um, you know, they, they, with everything about, um, you know, just everything about it. I mean, I, I love it. It's been uh, my experience with TW3 has been a wonderful experience. So um, I love it. Awesome. Well, I featured you and I, I'm glad you allowed me to uh, feature you on. Uh, well, actually, I just pulled you out. Of, I had four in my hand and four orders or five orders. I can't remember. They came in that day and I just pulled it out. And you said that you knew I was going to pull your card when I did that video. How did you know that? I don't know. It was just a, um, it, it was just a, an instinct. Like I just, um, <laughs> like I said, before you just popped that card out, I was just like, watch, he's going to pull my card and then boom, 
<laughs> tap tap boom yeah <laughs> i heard you say that's amazing that's amazing well real uh real quick because i know you're busy but you have just turned on the afterburners here lately making sales left and right what's happened what clicked what made what uh sort of turned the switch on and, and made all of this happen well uh to be honest with you uh when i first joined tw3 uh back in january um, you know, I tell all my clients this and I don't wish this on anybody that I help and enroll, but, um, for the first six months, um, I did not do anything with it. Um, I, I just had lots of fears, lots of, um, uh, just had lots of fears. Uh, I mean, uh, and then, you know, what made me get back on the horse and, um, was, you know, my passion because I, I, my passion is, is to help people. That's what I love to do is to help people. Um, you know, before, um, I mean, with anything, no matter how big of the impact it is, I, I love helping people. I love seeing, you know, smiles on people's faces. Um, so yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just, my purpose on, on this earth is to make a difference in a lot of people's lives. Ah, I love that. I love that. Well, you're making it happen and I appreciate you letting me, uh, call you and, uh, just pick your brain for just a little bit because i just saw you know the business and everything that's going on with you and just uh wish you all the success and congratulate you on everything that you're doing well thank you terry and i um like i said i i, I thank you and and uh like i said uh um i can speak for myself and i can speak for all the members in the tw3 without us achieving the success um you know um we couldn't do it without you no, no, I think you could. I, 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 I'll slip you a 20 after the, after the show. <laughs> okay. Well, because to be honest with you, Terry, I, I, I'm just, um, I'm somebody cause I'm a natural born introvert. So I'm, I'm more oh, to myself a lot. I'm more in my you. own bubble. So I'm not used to talking to lots of people. I'm not used to, to this. I'm not, nor did I have any type of sales uh, experience or, or, you know, or a sales job to begin with. But again, I mean, um, what made me kind of get, like I said, get, get back on the horse was like I said, you know, just my passion. I really just kind of, um, tapped in, um, you know, what I, uh, what I love to do is, is to, is to help people. And so, um, and then, you know, just by watching a lot of inspirational videos, I watch you, I watch Eric Thomas, I watch, uh, Steve Harvey and, um, um, you know, just one quote from Steve Harvey that, that resonated with me is, um, you know, if you continue to stay, or he says, if you continue to stay in your comfort zone, you will always fail. And I, I was failing, I was failing doing what was comfortable for me. So I have to learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable, right? That's the only way, that's the only way to succeed in life, right? And so mm. every day I'm just out there trying to be comfortable talking to people being uncomfortable <laughs> so i'm pushing it through dude that is what life is all about and you yeah. know your heart to want to serve people and help people is going to make you immensely successful because right. it doesn't matter you know how you speak you know it doesn't matter about your degrees it doesn't matter about how good of a salesperson how you can negotiate all of these things They're, those are great tools but at the end of the day, if you got the heart to help people, it comes through and that's what people exactly. want. Yeah. So that's I just, exactly. it's just awesome. And plus, yeah, and then, tons of energy, oh. man. I'm telling you, I've tons of energy. Him multiple times 
and he's kind of you know walking through different scenarios. But at the end of the day, I mean, the guy has that spark. Oh, that's know? why I so, said I want to uh, feature you on the show just because you know I believe you duplicate what you appreciate, and so I want to show appreciation right. to things I want to see duplication in. And I okay. really appreciate your energy and your your heart to serve and the way you handle your clients, the way you handle your business. And so, you know, we that's what we're all about, TW3. I don't take words lightly. We call it TW3 family for a reason. And right. and so and there's and that goes for everybody on here. Everybody on here is just doing outstanding work, but you got a special vibe and sparks. So I just want to throw any gasoline I've got on it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Terry. Um, and I just, I just kind of do what, what, what you preach every day is that, you know, when we're, when we're out talking to clients and we're helping them, um, you know, um, you know, we, we can have the best sales pitch in the world, but if that client does not trust you, yeah. uh, that client will not go with you. So I, 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 I yeah, it's, it, it's, um, I don't know. Like I said, I believe I just, I just have that gift, you know, and, and it, and it just could be just any random stranger that, you know, I first meet or, or I talk to or when I'm out on the field, um, people just can, can, can kind of get that, uh, that vibe for me where they can just, you know, spill their whole beans to me. I don't know yeah. why, but they, they do. <laughs> well, it's your sincerity when you're sincere and you're, you're genuinely empathetic toward people. It's amazing how uh, the good Lord just opens the universe. You're listening to TerryWilson3.com. TerryWilson3.com. Inspiring, informative, and entertaining content for the entrepreneur and small business owner. Here's your host, Terry Wilson. And we're back. I tell you that uh, uh, the takeaway from that conversation there with Donald was the key component I want everybody to hear is being comfortable with being uncomfortable and that transcends business. It transcends business. It, it really permeates your entire life. I mean, uh, for you guys, it's been following me for a long time. You know, I've been on a health journey and that was one of the obstacles I had to overcome was learning how to be okay with your heart rate up, being okay with a little pain and ache here and, and understanding that sometimes you don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to go to the gym. You don't want to do this, uh, but you do it because, uh, um, as John Lee Dumas one time said, and, and so infamously said, and we put it on a podcast multiple times, you know, uh, being broke and poor is hard and, and working for other people is hard. Uh, working for yourself is hard. So choose your hard because there, there's no easy path out. And I'm in the studio today with a great friend of mine who has uh, uh, witnessed and walked with me and encouraged me and uh, maybe lightly made fun of me at times when I needed it <laughs> uh, on my health journey, uh, Miss Rose Saucier. Saucier. Saucier from Anytime Fitness. We've had you on the show one time before, but wanted to get you on again uh, by yourself just so that we can corner you and, and squeeze all the information we can out of you. <laughs> so all right. how are you doing? I'm doing well today. Well, good. So I, I take it you got the treadmills fixed and they're, they're starting to work. They are fixed. <laughs> they work. <laughs> they do work if you work, right? That's right. That's an inside joke. Uh, when I first came back to the gym, I've been a member for a while, but it was just inactive. 
uh, I would jump on that treadmill and uh, I'd jump off after an hour of a sweat fest and I would come in your office and just say, you got to get these things fixed. I came in fat and I'm leaving fat. What's the <laughs> I won't. And, and you did tell that to everyone that I was giving a tour to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to help you sell it. Yeah, I know. And I think that's what you you wrote in the book you gave me was your treadmills are still broke. <laughs> <laughs> no, they work if you work them. But it, it like everything else, it doesn't happen as fast as you want it doesn't work unless you do but you have to stay at it persistently work so you've been working for a long time you've been a uh, professional in a lot of different areas uh, right. you you hail from uh louisiana that's right so you're a raging cajun i guess and well, we so. say we're tigers <laughs> lsu <laughs> graduated LSU. you just came back from there as a oh, game. how Beautiful. was the game i guess uh uh, it was good for Tennessee, not for us. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we lost 40 to 13, so that's not even respectable. I can't even defend the Tigers on that one. Yeah. So, uh, but we had fun. That's the, that's the most important part is to have fun. And our girls had never been to an LSU game. And my oldest daughter, Ellie, was she wanted to tour LSU because mom and dad went there. And, sure. And she wanted to see what it was about because it's on her list. And uh, just... We had the best time. Oh, that's awesome. And so is, uh, I take it that she's uh, touring the college. Has she committed to go there? She has not. She wants to tour a couple more colleges. Sure. Um, and we'll go from there. She, she's. I think she's going to be deciding pretty quick. Gotcha. Hopefully soon. So you and uh, Bert went to school there. Correct. Correct. And that's where you graduated. And then uh, you uh, graduate college. What was your first job after college? So... So Bart and I met in college, um, dated in college, and I we were both psychology majors. Psych majors. Psych majors, yay. So um, maybe you can tell me what's wrong with me after this. Oh, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> we might need another hour. We might need another hour. Okay. I'll, I'll lay down on the couch over here and you can just okay. tell me what to do. All with. right. So anyhow, um, I, I knew I wanted to major in psychology and I toyed with the idea of do I want to go to grad school? And I had thought about going into forensic psychology and then, yeah, I don't know. So I decided, well, let me be smart about this and go ahead and get a minor in business, which is another 21 hours. So it took me a little longer to graduate than I wanted, but 21 hours. And then I had already had all my, what I needed for my philosophy minor. So that's how I always tell myself on interviews is yes, I have a BS in psychology, but I have this business minor. Um, and that's what got me in the field of audit. So, audit? Audit and then accounting. Audit and accounting. Mm -hmm. So uh, as an auditor, what are you doing there? And Walk me through that. What is uh, it? So audit, you're basically going through someone else's work. Gotcha. And making sure there's no mistakes. And oh, then you find okay. mistakes, you address them and correct them. Gotcha. And I thought about shifting into internal audits. What I was glad I got to see that that's something I didn't want to do. Gotcha. So it's, you know, you start a position and you say, do I, do I see myself in this career field? And honestly, I just wasn't a desk person. I did climb my way up to accounting manager. And then I decided, you know, I, I just, this isn't for me. Sure. And I, then the money was good. It wasn't about the money. It was just the long hours. And it was before I had kids and I just didn't want this, that type of, stress yeah in my life yeah you know that's a you're a you're a little bit of a unicorn there in the fact that um 
an auditor and a person with an accounting brain is very mm-hmm. analytical, has to be. Yeah. And then someone who has uh, studied behind Carl Jung and all of these other uh, psych people and Correct. philosophers and psychology mm-hmm. and all that, that's, that's more of your creative side and, yeah. and abstract thinking, whereas... Right. That is, you're a little bit of a unicorn. I guess so. Yeah. Um, so, any, I, you know, and I, I think Terry knows, you know, I have a good sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. Something, you know. Anybody that loves Seinfeld's got a great sense of oh, humor. Oh, yeah. Gotta love, or if you've ever worked in a cubicle like yeah, I have, you'll yeah. appreciate Office Space. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. The show The Office. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, it's so the true. Office is just. It's classic. Because yeah. we've all been through that. You work in an office. It resonates somebody jams on Somebody up the printer, yes. the fax machine. So, anyhow, but my sense of humor. So, when I started off working, of course, I started entry level, working in a cubicle. And. Um, Nobody knew who I was. And I said, well, if I have fun with this, they don't know anything about me. Yeah. So I, I said, well, I'm going to have fun with this. I said, I pulled some girl to the side that she worked in the next cubicle. And I said, well, I just want to tell you that, yes, I got a job in audit, but I'm really undercover here. I'm going to be doing these psych evaluations. <laughs> and... I'm going to need you to come by my cubicle later. I have this, what, a inkblot test, Rorschach, yeah. uh, I forget how you say it. Rorschach test. Rorschach test. Yeah, yeah. I need you to take it. I actually had one. Yeah. I had, no, you didn't. Yes, I had a few. I made them myself. So what do you see? And I, I, I said, I'm going to need you to come by and I'll explain what it was because she didn't know what I was talking about. And so she's like, oh, okay. And I just went, played it out on this one poor girl and then, and I was like, I'm just messing with you. You found your stooge. I found my stooge. <laughs> so at this time, you know, Bert and I were just dating and he was working at Ticketmaster. He was, uh, he started at the bottom level and he was climbing his way up the corporate ladder his, himself. Right, right. And so um, I told, and I guess this is foreshadowing because we became marathoners later mm-hmm. in life. Uh, I had this joke. And everybody just thought it was funny. We got this new VP of finance coming in, this guy, and he's coming around introducing himself. And we always had our jokes for the new guys. Right. And they said, tell them what you want to do, because I had this standing joke. And I said, I told them who I was, and I said, um, I'm going to adopt, I want to adopt an Ethiopian or Kenyan child because I want my child to win the Boston Marathon. <laughs> And he looked at me and he didn't know what to think. And I was, I was, ser- I said, I'm serious. He didn't know if you were being racist or being, well, no, he didn't know. He just didn't know. No, and it was, that's what I said. I said, well, my, I'm going to be so proud. My child won the Boston Marathon. <laughs> and if you look at statistics, it's usually a Kenyan or a, oh, absolutely. an Ethiopian right, right. person. So anyhow. Someone that has to run from a lion. <laughs> exactly. And so maybe that's foreshadowing that later on, my husband uh, yeah. ended up running the Boston Marathon like six times was he up there when that bomb took place so he ran the year after okay and everyone is like i think that might what year was it i want to say i don't know i'll have to look that up i'll have to fact check i'll have to fact check that. so anyhow i think it was his first year if you tell me the date, I'll tell you. But yeah, anyhow, I'm looking it up. I remember, you know, we were going to take the girls with us because we're like, oh, we're going to go to Boston. And um, everyone was like, you're going to 
run the boss. You're going to go after what happened last year. And I said, it's the safest place in the world right now. What do you think? They're going to be so tight on security. It says April 15th of 2013. So, yeah, I think it was, I think that was the first year. Yeah. I'll have to confirm, but I'm pretty sure that was the first year Bert did it. Cause he's done it six times. Gotcha. So they're, you know, everybody was like, y'all are going. I was like, yeah, what? But they just couldn't believe. They just thought, I don't think that's a good idea to go there and bring your kids. Oh, it's yes. safer than any place now. <laughs> and when we were there, I said, look, that, that guy you think that's uh, taking out that trash, he's, he saw the earpiece, he's oh, yeah. secure, you know, he's, and you can see people on the rooftops. It was tight. You couldn't get anywhere near the finish line. Yeah. So I felt safe and I was excited to be there. We did the Charleston run. The Cooper River? Cooper River okay. a year after okay and they had drones up everywhere and under yeah. the bridge and all that so yeah so if you're going to have a repeat or a copycat it's not going to be in the same city right so, right anyhow yeah so you uh you're an auditor working in an office so then i moved my way up climbed uh-huh. the corporate ladder because any job i've ever had you know this one i you know you, you you're getting interviewed and you always if you have an interest in moving up, not staying at the bottom level, which I always wanted to keep raising the bar, I would say, well, what's my next step after this position? Right. How can I move up in the company? Right. What do I need to excel in this, in this field? And so it's, I guess it's a matter of paying your dues. Yeah. And then positions come open, you apply for them. So luckily I worked myself up a couple of, spots and then my boss which was the accounting manager he was leaving he's got a, a better job offer and he's like look i'm going to recommend you for my position i think it was me and a couple other people in the company that were going for the position and so okay i'll go for it and i got the position so exciting now you're shifting into management which will be the hardest job you ever have yeah. now you're managing people yeah and um, so I had an office now. I didn't have a cubicle. That was a big thing. Uh, I had my stability ball, my weights in my office. If I wanted to just close the door and do some abs or whatever I wanted to do. So you were active and working out even back then. Yeah, we oh. actually, um, we had a class. We started this lady, uh, in the company. She was an aerobics instructor and former bodybuilder. And she says, Hey, what do you think about if we did a, uh, a bench aerobics class right. down in the, um, they had a, a, I guess it was a classroom HR department downstairs from my office. And I said, Oh, that's a great idea. And I had a gym membership as well, but I said, this will be great for people who, A, all they have to do is bring their clothes, change and walk downstairs. Right. It's a no right. brainer. It's an easy, easy access. No excuse no there. No excuse there. All you yeah. have to do is remember your clothes. Right. And you're not being charged for it. It's free. Yeah. And so that kind of, I mean, I had already been into health and fitness, but I would started subbing for her when she wasn't there. And, you know, my class was completely different than hers. Mine was more of a boot camp. So <laughs> I would see people come in and they saw us teaching and they're like, oh no. You weren't the female David Goggins, were you? 
That's pretty tough. <laughs> you know who he, yeah, you know yeah, who he yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't talk like him. <laughs> <laughs> you probably had cleaner language. That's than right. You. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. I would just say, quit whining. You're, yeah. you're fine. You're fine. So anyhow, that was fun. But at the same time, uh, I still was going to my, the gym I went to for years. Bert and I were members of a gym in Baton Rouge. Uh, it was called Spectrum. I think it's still there. Yeah. Uh, so we were members there, and we happened to live our apartment. After we graduated from LSU, we got an apartment which was right behind there, so we could literally walk to the gym. Okay. So there again, no no excuse. Yeah. We didn't even have to get in our cars; we could just walk to the gym. So I was doing a lot of two a days, you know, working wow. out at the gym, and then working out. I'd work out early in the morning, and then I'd work out after work doing this class. And I just enjoyed it yeah. before kids. And um, that's what we did. That was part of our life. Just we did. We worked out. So it'd be fair to say you developed a passion for health and fitness, even when you were in a different career path. Yeah, I think I was always into it. Yeah. But I, I kind of incorporated it in the work atmosphere. Gotcha. Um, because I've been a runner my whole life and into fitness. Yeah. Okay. So, but I, I didn't never lost interest. Even in college, I always. Now, did you compete in college and were you an athlete as far as on a team or anything? No, I would have loved to be on the LSU track team, but I was not good enough. Oh. But those girls were amazing. I yeah. enjoyed watching them. And I, my dorm, my freshman year was right across from the, the track, uh, the LSU outdoor track. And then they yeah. had an indoor track. So I was just, I could have did walk on, but I was. I was like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not to that level. And I can sure. accept that. That's, yeah. Those girls are just another level. Wow. But I still enjoyed my running and I stayed with it throughout college. And um, I was always trying to get people into it. Like my roommates, uh, there was a, a jogging class on that you could do. I mean, you don't get much. I think it's a one hour credit. But I always would try and sign up for something just to incorporate that in my school as well. Yeah. I did weightlifting. I did a boxing class. The jogging was, of course, my favorite. And the instructor, she was uh, pregnant. So she would ride her bike while we're running around campus. And it was just, we, I really enjoyed it. It was great. So you're working out. You, you've got this passion that you've had for a while. And you've been able to incorporate it uh, into your uh, work life mm -hmm. to the point you're able to sometimes two a day. Mm -hmm. You're going up the corporate ladder there. And then if I remember your story correctly, at mm -hmm. some point you move from that job into real estate, real estate, exactly. Now, which is a completely, oh, yes, completely yes. different yes. field. Yes. Cause that's sales. Mm -hmm. It's marketing. That's working with people Correct. in a sales environment rather than a managerial environment. Right. Mm -hmm. It's really not, has anything to do with accounting nope. or auditing mm -mm. or anything like that. So explain the, uh, the pivot there and how that took place Absolutely. and why it took place. Uh, so uh, I was getting burnouts on working 60, 70 hours a week. Okay. And, you know, uh, I think the next move up was going to be controller. Gotcha. And I said, um, it came open and I said, I'm going to apply for this position because 
you know, I, once again, I'm trying to, I'm competitive. I want to climb that ladder and see how far it's going to take me. And so I applied and I was next in line for that position. There wasn't anybody else that should have gotten it mm-hmm. unless they, most companies try to hire within. Right. Well, they pulled someone from the outside and, um, I would have been fine with So that. at the auditing place, you applied for the next level up. Yeah, I was accounting manager and the next level up was controller. And you got passed over for that position. I did. They, by someone on the outside. Someone on the outside. But they knew someone. It was kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you heard the term nepotism. but I got, Yeah, I know what They knew means. somebody. They got the job because they knew somebody. Not yeah. because they had the more impressive resume. It wasn't merit-based. It was more. Correct. Yeah. And. Which happens in the corporate Absolutely. world all the time. Absolutely. That's one of the downsides to it. Yes. So you just have to deal with it. So um, I decided what kind of pushed me on, in the other direction was when I had to train my new boss because she knew nothing. And I was over the audit, the audit department. And she was to be over me and the audit department, but she never climbed to She didn't know anything about any of the stuff going on. So you're on. having to get your future boss up to speed so they even have the qualifications and credibility Correct. to be able to. Correct. And yeah, I was. That's a tough deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and I was like, okay, that's a sign for me. Yeah. And I said, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm done, but I'm going to be smart about this. You don't leave a job until you find another one. Sure. That's just how it works. Hey, that's a great takeaway. If you're a young person out there, what Rose just dropped was a value bomb. You don't leave your place of employment until you find another place. Correct. And then leave right too, by the way. Unless Go you're forced to leave. Unless okay. you're forced to leave. That's right. Story. So I had my resume together already. So I start sending it out. Yeah. I'm faxing it out, sending it out, you know. There was none of this, uh, I'll show my age, but we weren't sending it texting or <laughs> we were faxing. Right, right, right. So I'm faxing out my resume, doing follow-ups, yeah. reaching out to people that I knew in different companies. And so went from there. I, uh, the morning, and it's, it's so ironic because I'm faxing my resume out and I get a call from HR, which was downstairs from my office. And they said, we need to see you down in HR. And I'm thinking, what, one of my employees has done something uh-huh. or whatever. And so, um, uh, we go down, I go downstairs and I say, yeah, what's going on? And I had already told Bert and I were married by this time. And I said, and I had told Bert, I was, I'm looking for another job. And he was fine with it because he had already climbed his corporate ladder. He was director of like two departments at Ticketmaster. Gotcha. And he started off in the phone room. So he had done his own corporate ladder climb. Right. And so he's like, it's, that's fine. You want to switch jobs? I support that decision. And so I'm literally faxing my resume out when I get the phone call. You see you downstairs. Okay. No problem. I go downstairs. Well, I had known the week before they were cutting a few middle management positions and a big corporation. When they start doing that, there's a couple of reasons they do it. The reason this company was doing it was you're 
upper management echelon, vice president, general manager, all of that staff, they saw a need to, hey, we can chop up some of these positions, my position, for example, and split it up among some of the departments and eliminate that salary. Right. And we're going to save all this money. Which and goes this, back into their bonuses. It's just going to go in our bonuses, right. our pockets. Right. And so that's what it was. Because it wasn't just me. It was a couple other people. Gotcha. So I go down there and I sit down and they start off telling me um, that they were going to be cutting my position. And, uh, and I'm not saying a word. I'm, I'm actually trying not to laugh. <laughs> Because I'm like, this is working out perfect. I was out of here anyway. (laughs) Exactly. Now I'm going to get the severance package. Yeah. So, and then they're like, and this is, we're going to give you, uh, we're going to need for you to sign the severance package. They want a decision pretty quick. Yeah. That's it. This is my last day. This is what's happening. And so I look at it and I'm like, got a pen. (laughs) Sign it. And here you go. I'm I'm not even upset. I think they were expecting me to be upset because I've been there, I think, six years. (laughs) You're almost saying, thank you. <laughs> no, I'm laughing. I can't wait to call my husband and say. You ain't going to believe this. You will not believe this. Right. But not only did I get, you know, I, you knew I was leaving, but now I got a severance package and I can take my time looking for a job, basically, and think about what I want to do next. So I, um, I go upstairs and any big companies when you have access to sensitive records like I had. Um, you go clean out your desk. You're escorted out by security. You turn right. your phone. I had a pager showing my age here. I had a pager, a company phone, um, all this stuff. So, and they walk you up. They don't want you. Not that there will be disgruntled people that might do something. Sure. So I understood the whole concept. And so I'm walking up the stairs, and I happen to um, the guy that worked right underneath me. He was a supervisor. And he actually sat in my old cubicle. Right. So he would have been next in line for my position. And his name was Nelson. I remember that. And, I, and they were so used to me pranking, pulling these jokes. <laughs> so nobody took you serious so, walking out with a box. No, I, I didn't have the box at this point. <laughs> I, I hadn't I even gone to my office. So I, I'm walking up the stairs and he's the first person I want to tell because he's my best employee. He's my right hand guy. Yeah. And I wanted to tell him first. Yeah. I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to just leave. Right. So I said, he's sitting at his cubicle. I said, Nelson, I said, um, I just got let go. And he's looking at me. His eyes got real big. And he's like, are you, you're playing another prank. And I said, no, I'm, I'm not. And I think he was, I wasn't upset. So I think he thought I was pranking him. Right. And I said, no, I'm not. I promise. And I said, this is good. This is going to be good for you. They're going to give you a bump. You're probably going to get a raise out of this. You're not going to have my position because it's gone, but they're going to give you some more duties to do and you're going to get a raise. And then whoever, someone else in the department is going to get a raise. This is good. It's going to work out fine. And he's still not believing me. And he didn't believe me until he saw the security guy come up the stairs. Oh. And I said. That's when it got real. That's when it got real. And he looked at me and he looked at the security guard and he said, you're not joking, are you? And I said, no, I told you I wasn't. And he started tearing up. I said, oh, no, do not shed a tear for me. I am good. 
Trust me, I'm fine with this. And he's, I he's, made plans. He's, I didn't say that, <laughs> but he's all choked up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he must have really enjoyed me being his boss. I don't know. So, and we became good friends. Yeah. Good friends, as in, he had small children. And anytime, and he and I were on the, we had started together in audits. And we'd have to work sometimes weekends and long hours. And, and if it was like around a holiday, I always volunteered for him or someone else who had kids. I'll work, I'll work your shift. It's fine because I didn't have kids at the time. Right. So that's just the person I am. So anyhow, I clear out my desk, turn in my phone. So I have no phone to call anybody. (laughs) So, you know, and then I finally get to a phone and this is around Halloween. My husband, I love Halloween. Yeah. So I leave, I pack my car with my boxes or whatever. And then, I drive straight to go buy my pumpkins and then I get to a phone and I call. Is this back when they had pay phones? Yeah. And you might want to explain to the kids what they were. They actually were. did have pay phones. <laughs> so yeah, I use a pay phone. That's why Superman went away. He, he has nowhere to play, change anymore. So first person I call is my husband and I said, Bert, I just got let go. I said, but I got a nice severance package. It'll be fine. I'll have time to find a job. I won't have, I'm not forced to start right away i can take some time to think about what i want to do yeah and i said he said well what are you doing and i because i the first words out of my mouth i kind of made a joke of it i said i just got canned like tuna and i'm buying (laughs) our halloween pumpkins how many do you want me to get and so he's like what and i said yeah and he's like okay is she serious and then he's like i said i'm calling you from a payphone that's how serious this is i don't have a phone anymore and so it all worked out. I decided this was around the, you know, it's October. I took a few weeks sending out resumes and I said, you know what? I'm going to go um, just get a job at the mall until I figure out what I want to do. Right. So, and I love, I don't know if anybody knows Pottery Barn. Oh, yeah. There's a company called Restoration Hardware. Okay. Which they don't have as many as they used to, but they used to be in the mall just like you see Pottery Barn. But it was a lot. Better than Pottery Barn as far as quality. Okay. I mean, the same concept, but they had better quality stuff. Higher end stuff, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I love that store. So I was like, I'm, you know what? I'm going to go work for the Christmas holidays and figure this out. They're, they're hiring people just for the holidays. Right. So I went and interviewed. I went and applied and didn't know anybody. Just went and filled an application like anybody. Yeah. And told them I was available now whenever you want me to work i don't have kids i can work whatever and so i got the job because they were like why do you want to and i said i love the products i can sell the product i'll just enjoy i I shop here all the time right and i can sell what i like what i believe in quality and so i worked there for the christmas holidays and then uh, i met a a lady i was kind of thinking about real estate because i was like you know i wouldn't mind working for myself so I met a lady that was in real estate and she worked there just part time. And so she and I got to be friends. Her name was Camille. Okay. Love the name. Her name was Camille. Yeah. And I was like, like Hurricane Camille, <laughs> which is a big, it, it was before my time. My parents had told me about it. It was a really bad hurricane in New Orleans. And so she told me where she worked. And I said, well, I'm thinking about getting my, um, my real estate license. It's so funny that I meet you here. Uh, and she, she told me what she liked about it. And I said, I think I'm going to do it. So I went ahead and signed up for real estate school. 
went to real estate school, uh, decided, hey, I'm only taking this test one time. Yeah. Because it's expensive. It is. So I invested the money in real estate school, went to school, studied for the test, took the test, passed. And in Louisiana, you have to take two tests. You have to take uh, the state and then the national. And the reason you have to take the state is because the state of Louisiana is, falls under the Napo- Napoleonic Code. It's the only state. No, what's the Napoleonic Code? It's a different legal system. Okay. Um, Like we have parishes where everybody else has counties. Counties. And there's different. Is is that the French influence and all the French? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, Napoleon. So you had to get your state real estate license, but also your national. Wow. Yeah. That's strange. So I'm like, oh, I'd be better than agents here. I've taken this two tests here. Yeah. So anyway, so pass the first time. And it's really scary because it puts you in a cubicle and you're taking this test on the computer. Yeah. And it's like, are you sure you're done? And you go to hit that button and you're like, and people that were in my class were taking their test that day. And you knew if somebody didn't pass, they were you, out of there. You didn't see them. Or you heard some blessing out. <laughs> which I heard right next Filth, to foul, me. Filth and foul. <laughs> <laughs> which I heard right next to me was a guy that was in my class. And I was like, oh gosh, I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah. And I, I hit that button and it's like, you pass. I'm like, yes. So. And I had already decided I was, you have to pick a broker. And I was going to pick, I interviewed with uh, my friend Camille says, you ought to come work at my company. And it was called CJ Brown. Yeah. And their sister company is Ladder and Bloom in New Orleans. And so I said, okay. And I went and interviewed with the broker and her name was Sandy and I loved her. She was awesome. And I said, and you, it's not like you, it's your choice if you want to work for that company. Right. I mean, usually if you interview with a broker, you already have your license. You're going to, it's a done deal. They just go over what the fees are, desk fees, this, that, and what they expect of you as far as phone hours and whatever, production and what you're going to get paid. And so she liked me and she says, yeah, let's, let's do it. And I said, okay, you sign, sign your name, get your business cards, all that going, and then you just go into the field. And so then I was in real estate for six years, loved it. And then Bert and I said we always wanted to open a gym, talked about it, and he was he at that point, well, actually, back up a couple of years after I was in real estate, he decided he wanted to shift out of his career because mm-hmm. he was getting burnt out. Yeah. Corporate world's not for everybody. Absolutely. It's and, not for a lot of people. Yeah. And you come to a point where, like, is the money, wor- is the money worth the stress? Yeah. And he, was, he had a very stressful position. Yeah. Which I told him, I said, you're going to have a heart attack before you're 40. Yeah. At, at the time, I was like, you need to get out of here. I want to stop you for just a second and ask, you know, uh, in my world, one of the things we're doing constantly is helping people transition in their careers. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, most of our clients are people that are going from corporate to self-employment of some type. And I consider, you know, even though you work for an agency, mm-hmm. even though you're in a system, if, if you're a realtor mm-hmm. or an insurance agent or a gym owner, at the end of the day, you're self-employed. You, you yeah. eat what you kill. Right. So that transition, talk to me a little bit about what were, were there any obstacles, mindset obstacles, Absolutely. expectation mm-hmm. obstacles? Tell me, how did you, because you obviously was successful because you stuck with it for six years. Correct. And then you went into being a a gym owner, which is just transitioning, keeping Mm -hmm. that, that path. 
So what were some of those initial early on, uh, you know, resistance that you had coming from a corporate world, corporate mindset? Hey, I'm an educated person. I have been afforded opportunities in the corporate world because of my degree, because of And now, you know, it doesn't matter if you are a college graduate Mm -hmm, exactly, or you know, you didn't even pass high school. If you can pass that exam, mm-hmm. you can become a realtor. So Absolutely. it's a different world. So talk to me a little bit right, about and that. Right, which is you don't need a college degree. No. You can climb your way up that, you know, just depending on where you start out. Um, so I wouldn't have been afforded the opportunity to switch gears to real estate if my husband didn't have a good job and he yeah. was supportive of my decision. Because when you first start in real estate, guess what? You're not. No, you're you're, you. you're locking on doors, you're working the phones, you're trying to, you're drumming up your own business. They're not going to hand it to you. Right, exactly. You are on your own. So because you had a husband that was bringing in some, mm-hmm. uh, do you think that maybe helped you with some breathing room to, in other words, you weren't, oh my God, if I don't sell a piece of property this, this month, we're not going to eat. Correct. So that gave you some some space. I still needed to make money. Sure. Um, because, of course, we couldn't live on one salary. But we didn't have kids at the time. Yeah. And I did keep that, that job at the mall. Okay. Part-time. So you kept some guarantees so in your I didn't life. Say, they said, hey, do you want to stay on after the Christmas holidays? Because they would pick people that they wanted to keep. Right. And I said, well, you know what? I'll, I'll stay on. As, and I told him I was going into real estate. My friend Camille was still working there and she was in real estate. I said, well, she can do it. I, I can do it. Because mm-hmm. it's not, when you first start out in real, real estate, most brokers don't want you working another job because they want you to be hungry. and Sure. And so I said, you know what? I'll, I'll keep this at least that I have some steady income. And uh, didn't intend to. I got promoted at that job to a supervisor. <laughs> and... I was like, oh, sure, I'll do it. And it just meant you had to open and close the store, but it was more money. Right. And, and they just liked, more responsibility. They get. liked me. I was always just having fun at work. Right. And I was good at sales. Right. You know, I, I'm, if I, like I said, if I believe what I'm selling, I can do it. So um, I'm still making money, enjoying that 40% discount too. <laughs> um, so... And when I was in real estate, you know, you always buy gifts for your clients. I was, and that's one thing my friend Camille says. She says, I buy my closing gifts here because I'm getting 40% off. Right. And she's like, I have my gift closet at home. I was like, really? What a great idea. Right. So I'd buy clocks or things that would be useful to a new homeowner. Sure. But it was nice stuff. Right. And I'm getting a 40% discount. That's a no brainer. Right. So, um, and then. If I did my Christmas shopping for family or whatever, I'm getting that 40% discount. Right. Meanwhile, I'm also meeting people at the store. See, you've got a built-in traffic generator. Right. And I like to talk. So I'm meeting people. So you're networking. I'm networking. Just by being in a spot. Exactly. So my friend Camille, she, she ended up quitting, moving on. I think she got married. So she shifted out of. Um, restoration hardware she didn't work there that much but she didn't need it because she had already established herself in real estate she had been in it for years and then when she remarried 
she didn't need that. That was just a fun job. Right. And she moved a little further away. So she says, I don't need this job. But she, I still worked with her in the office. And so now I'm the only real estate agent working here at Restoration Hardware. Well, guess what? That's an open field for me. I'm going to network. First client I get is uh, there was actually my manager, not the general manager, but my manager. He was, I'm going to buy a condo. I'm looking for a condo. I said, well, I can help you with that. So I end up selling him a, a condo. And then I meet someone else. They're getting married. They're going to be buying a house. Sold them a house. And meanwhile, I'm still doing business, doing my own yeah. stuff on the side. This is just people I came in contact with, keeping this little part-time job. And then just kept growing and growing. My hairdresser gave him a business card. And guess what? A couple of months down the road, his mom wants to buy another house. So guess what? Sell her house. Help her buy a new house. And it just kind of snowballed. Yeah. And the thing with real estate is it's not as glamorous as you think. You can go, hey, you can go three months and not make a penny. Sure. You, you can have a month and you can make twenty, thirty thousand dollars Right. Which I did. Right. A few times. And It's well, feast or famine type it business. It is. Yeah. And it's you get what you put into it. Sure. And so, you know. I had a friend, she was in real estate with me, Jana, and she started a little bit um, ahead of me. And I said, hey, why don't we do these uh, first-time home buyer seminars? I came up with this idea because I liked working with first-time home buyers. Right. It was rewarding. And a lot of first-time home buyers, they just don't know how it all works. They don't think they can afford a house. Will they get approved? What do they need to do to clean up their credit? And so I came up with this idea. I said, hey, how about, would you want to help me with this idea I have? And she said, sure. Because she was a um, single mom and she needed, she needed the money. And she's, I said, hey, we can team up. And so we start, we, we shared an office together. And so she and I start partnering up, co-listing things and helping each other out. And uh, so we, we said, we're going to do this first time home buyer course. And it's going to be free. Okay. Where can we have it? And I said, well, they have these rooms at the library and they don't charge you for them. Yeah. And all we have to do is go sign up to reserve it. So let's do it there. All right. And we said, well, what else do we need? And I said, we need a lender and we need a title company. And when I had a friend, her name was Vicky Melanson. And I, I loved her. She was a good friend of mine. And I said, that sounds French. Oh yeah. She's true <laughs> New Orleans. And I said, Vicki, can you help me out with this? And she said, yeah, what do you need? And so I tell her about it. And she says, it's a great idea. And then I find a lender and I said, can you come and talk about these loans for first time home buyers? And I told her why. And she's like, I'll do it. Well, at the time people in my office were like, that's a, dumb idea you want to work with first time home but you're not going to make any money at that they just shot it down and i said no i think it's a good idea and guess what it's not costing me a penny Absolutely. but my time and you're putting value into people who else are they going to go to right and this lender she's going to get business because yeah. i told her i'm going to give you you're going to get business. all these people yeah 
And you're going to be educating It's them. a built-in lead generation system. And then system. I have me and my friend, Jana, we're going to work the buyers. Yeah. So it's a win-win. Yeah, that's brilliant. And so it snowballed. That's podcasting before podcasting. It snowballed and we started doing really well. That is awesome. But as I said, you know, there's ups and downs in the business. There always is. Sure. So we, she and I were doing great and just kept working at it, working at it. And then... Um, End up having my first daughter and Ellie, and I'm about to go back to work. She was she was eight weeks old when Hurricane Katrina hit. Oh wow! And so we lived in Baton Rouge, it was Prairieville, which is right outside of Baton Rouge. Yeah. And our, we still had family in New Orleans. Well, Katrina hit. Everybody's evacuating. All the family came to our house. So now I have a house full of in laws. New baby who's eight weeks old, and I just went back to work in real estate. Oh my word! And Bert, at the time, he had shifted his, he had shifted into he wanted to be a fireman. So time wise, when I was ready to shift, he could support that. Then when he was ready to shift, you could support. I that. could support that. And you know when he went and met with the the fire department that he wanted to work for, that you have to fill out your background. Yeah, and they said. You want to go from making this to this? They just couldn't believe it. You know how little they pay firefighters in Louisiana? And he said, I don't care. He just wanted out of the... I want out. He wanted out of that. He went out. Yeah. And so that's what he wanted to do. I tell you, quality of life and business culture, I, that goes a long way. I mean, money's great, but you know, quality of life and culture is... Once you make the money, yeah, and then you, you see what... It, it costs, costs you, you to make it. Health wise. <laughs> yeah. Mental health, physical health. Because probably my husband wouldn't be sitting here. Maybe yeah. I wouldn't be. Maybe I'd have been all stressed out. Yeah. And not made it. But anyhow, he starts, he's a fireman. Everything's going good. Katrina hits. Katrina. Yeah. Now we, you got to make the best of every situation. You got a house full of in laws. Like, oh gosh. My husband's working all the time now because he's a fireman. Yeah. And they did have damage in our area, not like New Orleans that was flooded. And so I happened to be in the office that day and we had a broker from New Orleans come to us and they said, this is going to be your new boss because her office was destroyed. Fair. We liked her. She was nice. Yeah. And because I was working out of two different offices at the time. And so that's fair. And she says, she happened to, I happened to be in the right place, right time. I was in the office that day with my friend, Jana, mm -hmm. and this, this new broker, she says, can you come to a meeting later this afternoon, like at 4.30? I said, I said, yeah, but I might have to bring my baby. Because I don't know if I could get a sitter on, you know, I, I didn't, short notice. I wasn't, I wouldn't right. leave her with a sitter. Right. And I, I knew I was going to have to bring her with me in her little car seat. Right. So I was like, it should be fine. I'll make sure she's napping or. And our secretary loved her. She says, I'll hold her while you're in the meeting. It's fine. That's cool. And it wasn't going to take long. She said, this meeting's going to take about 30 minutes. That's it. I said, okay. So we'll go to the meeting. And I think there was like six or seven of us. And the broker sits us down and she says, you've been selected by myself to be on the Shell Project. Well, what's the Shell Project? You've heard of Shell Oil. Mm -hmm. Um. A lot of the Shell employees in, the, in New Orleans, they all lost their homes. So the Shell Corporation said, look, 
they came to my company and said, we want to, we want to work with you exclusively and we need you to find 50 homes for displaced workers, for displaced workers. Yeah. We have two weeks. Holy cow. Two weeks. And it's going to be a cash sale so we can close it quick. The company's going to buy these homes and these employees are going to rent back from yeah, them. Yeah, mortgage it back to them, yeah. If they decide they want to stay in this area or we don't know if we're going to rebuild in New Orleans, we don't know what's going to happen. We've relocated them here for work. And so we're all just looking at each other. Two weeks? Got to find 50 houses? Okay. Did you have that kind of inventory? No. No. So wow. we're all looking at each other and we said, there was a, a couple other people that were in the, that weren't in this meeting, but we worked with in this one office. We had, this was a small satellite office that was closer to my house. It wasn't our main office. And so I said, can we bring in two more people that they have, you know, they're going to be great. They're going to be a good, good asset to this team. And she said, sure. Cause she's like, just so you know, this is all going to be split evenly. But we're like, that's fine. We want to bring in two more people. It's going to be, it's going to work out better. So we, bring right. in, we bring in two more people. One of them was a friend of mine. Her name was Christina. She had been in it long, but she had been in real estate longer than me. So she's going to be a good fit for this. So uh, we worked 12, 14 hour days finding these homes. We were going up to for sale by owners. We were going up to people who didn't even have their house for sale. Do you want to sell your house? I was going to ask if you don't have that kind of inventory, but that kind of demand on a house, how do you produce it? Well, the thing was, what was happening was a lot of people were trying to take advantage. All these people have evacuated New Orleans and what was going on was called price gouging. Yeah. Yeah. And then everybody's throwing their house on the market when they realize what's happening. Right. And they were, it was, I was like, you, I talked to more people out of houses during this time because I said, you can't pay this for this house. This is ridiculous. There's no way it's going to praise. No, you're not. I'm not going to let you buy this house. We're going to go look for another one. Right. And I was like, shame on these owners for trying to take advantage sure. of these poor people who lost their homes. Yeah. It was just, it was a, getting it to be a dirty business. It's so ugly. to speak. Yeah. But I, you know, I wasn't going to be a part of it. Right. Some people were just selling. Hey, I am gonna make all my money. I don't care if these people are overpaid. They just didn't care. But I have morals. I believe in karma. And I was oh, going to do the right gotta thing. Live with, exactly. So anyhow, so we sold those. We found those 50 houses. We got our commission checks. I was able to pay off my student loans from college, pay off my car, and then had a little extra. And I was just, it was the best month I ever had in real estate. Wow. So. Wow. All because I was in the right place at the right, right time. Right place at the right time. And took advantage of being in a business that otherwise you would have never thought of. Correct. You know, um, and I think so many times people get uh, stressed out when market shifts, uh, economies shift, you know, natural disasters. But in your entire story from, you know, a uh, big corporation mm -hmm. uh, gutting uh, its middle management to sure, earn sure. extra dollars to everything else you've sort of just bobbed and weaved with it correct and saw the opportunity in every situation which i think is what it takes to uh be successful well and they say you know one door closes another one opens yeah you have to and you have to trust that 
you know, sometimes I'm like, God has his reasons for things happening. Absolutely. He has a reason for me being in South Carolina, not still doing real estate because I enjoyed real estate. Right. And I was getting ready to shift into commercial. Right. And um, that's a lot more money, but different field. But that was my next step up from real estate. Right. And so ended up here. Do I make more money here? No. Right. But I'm doing something I love. And that's trying to promote health and fitness. Well, you're in a career path that, like you said, you're, you're passionate about. Correct. You got to believe in what you're working for. Yeah. What, you're, what are you working towards? Do you like your job? Because I talk to these young guys at the gym all the time, and they're working for these big companies. Right. You know, we have BMW. We have all these oh, big yeah. companies. Big corporations. And I'll here. say, do you like your job? Oh, I hate it. Mm. And I've got third shift. and. Well, they have no control over their life. And, they, and I said, well, why are you staying there? They say, well, I get paid so much money. And I said, but is it worth it? There's You're a not cost, happy. There's a cost to that income. I was like, you leave that job. I guarantee you take a job making half that, but you're happy. Your health is going to be better. Right. And you're not going to regret it. Absolutely. You can't take the money with you. You know, uh, I get to, you're at the house. Mm-hmm. You're in our little corner studio office here. Mm-hmm. So I get to, and you see me come at the gym. I come at all hours, most of the time in the morning, sometimes in the afternoon. But I get to, uh, sort of live my life the way I want. Yeah. But, you know, self-employment has its pressures too. Sure. I just think for me personally, and it could be a personality type. You tell me if you resonate with this. Yeah. There's, there's ups and downs. There's ebb and flows of business. Sometimes it's the market shifts and like, we've had a major shift this year and we've had to adjust some things, but bounce right back and everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I feel like this pressure in this world is more manageable because at the end of the day, I feel like I've got the controls of the steering wheel. I've got mm-hmm. controls of my destiny. I don't have, I don't have a backseat driver yes. named a CEO mm-hmm. or a board or something else. I'm the driver. You don't have to answer to anybody but yourself. Right. Thank God. <laughs> exactly. There's something about freedom. Mm-hmm. It's just like, uh, I was talking to Gina uh, the other day and I don't, regret starting a music business and losing that and going bankrupt and all of that stuff. I don't regret that. All of the things that you've read in my book mm-hmm. that happened, don't yeah. regret any of it. No. The only thing I regret, and you're going to, you're going to like this is I didn't take my health serious until mm-hmm. about two and a half years ago. We have been on so many vacations. We've been to Europe. We've been to Mexico. Mm-hmm. We've been to Fiji. We've been, and, and they were fun, but I guarantee you, I only I only enjoyed about 30% of it where I would have enjoyed a hundred percent of it. had I'd been in better health. Did you find it was harder to well, yeah, just get the, around the or, physical activity yeah. of walking and all this other mm-hmm. stuff, the low energy. I mean, it takes a lot to carry 300 pounds, yeah. you know? And, and the other thing is just what it does to you. I've always been a jovial guy, motivational mm-hmm. guy. Uh, I've always had that sort of disposition, uh, disposition, mm-hmm. uh, but I can tell you, I feel better at 46 than I did when I was in my mid twenties. And you look younger. I've seen, well, I don't know about that. Cause I'm bald, but you know, <laughs> so why don't you tell the audience how you got it? You got into the, uh, what was the body transformation contest that we have? Well, you came up and closed me. <laughs> 
You sold it. I mean, I have never since high school, since school, been a, I'm very competitive in business yeah. in other areas, but physically, I would never get involved with a competition. I don't even remember what we were talking about that day, but I said, you need to sign up for this contest. And you're like, I'm not signing up for this contest, but I don't give up. So I kept working you. You, you, you signed me. up. I think the next day you came in and signed up. I did. Mm-hmm. You worked me and I said, okay, I'll do it. And I think I pushed your buttons a little. You pushed my buttons because I am competitive <laughs> and I, you just, you pushed the buttons, the competitive buttons. I said, okay. And I did well on the first half. I think I, I petered out on the second half, but yeah. I won the first leg of it or whatever. But, mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, I'm happy with where, where it's, I'm lower than when we got married. I weigh less than when Gina and I were married. Oh, Awesome. Y'all yeah. need to retake your wedding pictures. I know it. I know it. We need to do that. We if you do, you still have your wedding suit and her, I'm sure she has her dress. She's got a dress. I don't think I, I think that was a rented tux. Well, you can get another tux. Yeah. But you should redo your pictures. That's a good idea. I was going to, Bert and I were going to do that for our 20th anniversary, but then COVID ruined that. Yeah. So I'm like, Tuck. so we're going to have to do it. This year will be our, um, 23rd so i think i'll wait i might do it this year i like i'd like to have an even number but it will it'll be our 23rd anniversary oh wow we're going up on uh this will be our 26th oh 27th right behind you yeah 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 so i want to ask you before i get you out of here i know i've kept you too long and i apologize but i do want to ask you this we talked about transitioning we talked about uh being open to things that are changing so that you can find the career path that's right for you in that mm-hmm. moment. Um, I've got to ask, cause I see you guys just about every day or every other day of my life. What is it like working with your spouse oh, and gosh. then going home and like, cause I'm going to be honest with you. Gina and I work together at church. She's on staff. Yeah, I'm on staff. Yeah. Right. But we don't share projects together. We are, cause we're so different and yeah. uh, it, it, our personalities are so different when it comes to doing things. And so we've learned to just, you stay in that corner. I stay in this corner. We get along, but if (laughs) so I'm trying to figure out how do you guys do it? Cause you're there every day. And I don't know the dynamics of you and Gina, if you feel like you're opposites or if you're we're very opposite. Okay. Same thing with me and Bert. Yeah. So Bert is more of perfectionist planner. Yeah. He's more of an organized organizer. Yeah. He's going to, have all his spreadsheets and business plan or, and which we compliment each other because I'm more of the sales side and um, I'm more of the people person, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I can close the sales. Right. Just put me in there. I'll sell the memberships. I can, you know, he's great at designing shirt. Yeah. I mean, it's just like we compliment each other, but the thing with working with your spouse is leave it at work. Don't yeah. bring it home. Don't bring it home. Because you don't want that stress. But it sounds like you guys are doing what Gina and I do. We recognize each other's strengths and weaknesses. So she takes on these tasks because that's in her strength. Mm-hmm. But I don't get in her world. Correct. Talking to her about this, that, because it's not my strength. And she likewise doesn't get in my world. Right. And so we've just sort of learned who, where our lanes are. So yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we, 
you know, it's not like we sat there and separated the job duties, you know. No, no, it just happened probably organically. And to be fair, I think Bert took a little more of the stress part because I said, you know, I worked in accounting for years. I don't want that part of it. Yeah. You can have it. Yeah. And he kind of just took that part. Gotcha. And so he does have a little more stress than me with that. Sure. You know, and I appreciate the fact that he does take on that stress. And I'm trying to take some of that away from him. Well, you guys seem to do real well because I've never been in there and felt any tension or oh, any, anything. I don't. I just, it seems like you guys are just, everybody's doing their own little thing, having fun and enjoying life. Yeah. Well, you know, you always have to have a sense of humor. Yeah. When you're married. If you work, if you work together, you got to leave it at work. Yeah. And then you have to ask yourself any marriage, even if you're not in business together. Choose your battles. Yeah. Is it worth it? Exactly. Is it worth bringing up an argument with something petty? No, I could just. Not. Well, that's just wisdom from being married a while. You know, not. Let every, it go. Not every hill's worth dying on. That's true. <laughs> Sometimes you have to agree to disagree and just let it go. That's right. So. That's right. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Did we cover everything that we were supposed to? I think so. And I think, you know, for the young if there's any college kids listening. Yes. And um, we do have a lot. You don't have to have it all figured out. Yes. You're going to hear a lot of pressure. My daughter is, you know, looking at colleges and, you know, everybody's, you got to figure out what you want to make. You got to figure it out. And no, you don't. No, you don't. And, you know, I remind even Bert, he's like, she needs to figure out what. And I said, did you know what you wanted to do at this age? Mm. Probably not. Most of us didn't. No. And guess what? If you pick a major and you hate it, switch. Switch. Even if you're going to be in school another year or two, just do it. You're not well, stuck. Uh, your story illustrates an old Chinese proverb that says to, uh, to grow where you're planted. Yes. You didn't stop growing just because all of a sudden the soil or the pot you're put in right. has changed on you. So, okay, I'll grow here now. And everything, everything I hear about your story sort of gave you some skill sets and some mindsets yes. to be able to thrive in the next phase of your life right? in your career. Correct. You know, and you know, for the college kids, you, you don't have to figure it all out. Guess what? You're going to figure it out when you are learning things. I figured out, I liked psychology, but I didn't think I wanted to go to grad school and pursue that. So I said, well, let, me get, let me be smart. I to get the business minor. Right. Philosophy. Take a philosophy class. Take a psychology class. It will open your eyes to many things you would have never thought about. Yeah. Ever. If nothing else, just give you a sense of self-awareness. Yeah. I mean, it's just very eye opening and yeah. it just opens your mind. You got to be open minded. You can't be obtuse. You got to just think for yeah. yourself. And, and for those listening to us at Ruth, North Carolina, obtuse means uh, to be slow learning. <laughs> so go ahead. <laughs> oh, you had to give that out there. And wh who was that directed to? <laughs> Ruth, North Carolina. up in Rutherfordton. I graduated. Oh, I graduated. Hey, in Rolfton. <laughs> hey, I, listen, I graduated uh, Ruth School. Is that the name of it? It's named Ruth, R-U-T-H, and it's abbreviated for Rutherfordton. Okay. Uh, you know, which is where I hail from. Is it in Rutherfordton? It, Ruth is in Rutherfordton. It's the next town over from the county seat. I was thinking you're from Forest City, man. No, that's <laughs> uh, Forest City was for the high fluting people. That's okay. where people money came from. All right. So what's Shelby? That's Shelby's over in Cleveland County. Okay. And that's uh, a little quick history. Uh, that's where they, that 
guy that went up and shot up that church down in Charleston. Oh, I didn't really uh, Dylan Roof. Remember that oh, guy? Oh, he was from Shelby. No, uh, but that's where they caught him. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, he was running from the police and the, the good fine folks in blue in Shelby, North Carolina, Cleveland County. Called now, him. now, what is Shelby known for? Is it? There's some sun drop or some soda. Uh, there's several things. I think the thing I know uh, Shelby for the most is what is considered by most the greatest uh, banjo picker of all time. The, remember the theme song to Beverly Hillbilly? <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but he's from Shelby. I thought you were going to say banjo of the movie Deliverance. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what you think of. I always tell people when I hear banjos, I start running. Uh, or they but, say the teachers just say paddle faster. Yeah, if you hear, paddle if faster. You hear a banjo play. <laughs> paddle faster. And actually, Bert and I, we rafted on that river. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's down in Georgia, isn't it? No, it's in North Carolina. Oh, is it? I forget. Is oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah, it yeah, the Ocoee? That's a, uh, yeah, I know what that's you're talking about. That's either the Chattooga or the Ocoee. Uh, the, the, not Chattahoochee, that's down in, uh, but anyway, uh, Shelby's known for that, the banjo picker. Is it Chet Atkins? I can't remember. There's no Earl Scruggs. Earl Scruggs, which is, is a lot of people consider him because uh, he was the guy that played and wrote the song from the Beverly Hillbillies oh. theme. You know, uh, Black Gold, Texas Tea. That's you know, that, funny. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's hilarious. That's Shelby. And then you go over to Gastonia and Charlotte. They got their own infamous people. Well, now Forest City is a cute downtown area. Oh, especially during the holidays. Yeah, there Christmas. What are you talking about? Yeah. And they have, if any runners out there, they have the Thermal Belt Trail. That they do. It's 13 miles long, I think. We've been up there and done you that. You can ride bikes or run. All that is an old train track that they basically mm -hmm. uh, paved over. Now, Terry, you've been running a lot, so you know what my next question for you is going to be. Oh, what's that? When are you going to do a half marathon? I'm doing a... A f not a 5k what's the one up from a 5k 10k i'm doing a 10k coming up sometime uh gina booked it for me it's something we're doing i have no idea okay. but she said do you want to do a 10k and i says well what is that and she says like five and a half miles uh and it no it's 6.2 miles 6.2 okay i do five and a half uh every other day now oh you got that so that's my normal routine so after you do that 10k let me know how you feel yeah this is how you keep raising that bar yeah for running yeah. And that's how I raised the bar. I, 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 I can see myself doing a half marathon. I don't ever see myself doing a full marathon. Never say never. That's what Bert said. And look where he ended up. Well, Bert's got that frame and everything. I mean, I I'm the know. one that got him into it. Yeah. I think I did a marathon before he did. Yeah. And then he says, I, I don't want to. He did a half. And then he said, I don't want to do a marathon. And then he saw what I just. Sparked. Well, I do realize mindsets can change because three years ago this time, uh, I was my coach. I was telling you about before we started was talking about running and getting physical. And I said, listen, I've always said, if you see me running, you better run because mm -hmm. I'm about to explode. Cause my mindset to running and physical activity was when I played, I was uh, everybody, I have a joke and it's a little off color. And so I apologize for anybody, <laughs> but they always ask me what, what position did you play on yeah. the basketball uh -huh. team? And I, you know what my answer is token. Okay. Cause I was, the, I was the token person with, my look okay uh, you know <laughs> but i was a decent player you know but athletically i was the weakest link but i could shoot the stadium out and i would and i was sent in to foul people when they needed to be fouled you know if you had someone on the other team that was just a, needed to feel a little pain when he got down into the paint they'd send wilson in because i had five fouls to give okay give <laughs> give our starter a break what position uh a token 
So no. I, I was I was playing second guard or okay. small forward at the time. Okay, but I would go in and rough people up a little bit. You know, oh. I, I would if you know, I, coach would pull me over and says, "When you foul him, make sure he stays fouled." You know that. Oh, you okay. know, you know, because if you know strategy that, there, strategy there. Yeah. You know, so anyway, uh, now were you good at free throws? And I was. I I don't ever remember missing a free throw in a game. I think I if I didn't shoot 100%, I was like, no. Nah. I mean, I, I could shoot, but I wasn't athletic. And, and my point is this. My attitude toward fitness derives from my experience there because back during that time, our coach had this philosophy that they might outshoot us, mm-hmm. they might outplay us, but one thing, by God, they won't do is outrun us. Yeah. And so our entire practice was suicides. I mean, yeah. we, we work, we practice three times a week, sometimes four and two out of three or three out of four was just nothing but an hour worth of suicides. Mm. So, I mean, we'd run till we threw up. Well, I played basketball in high school and I did it. It was more or less a stay in shape. I had cross country and I said, I'm, I'm going to do a winter sport just to keep active. Yeah. So I played uh, basketball and our coach was also the boys football coach oh <laughs> and when i say he we ran suicides and we were doing five minute wall squats oh that's that that was it you were you were you had to toughen up oh absolutely you're either going to get tougher or you're going to get str- you know stronger one that's right the- and your cross country coach he didn't care yeah you this is in the heat of louisiana running at uh-huh. three in the afternoon if you got sick Guess what? You just kept going. Yeah. Yeah. We just. Well, see that I, I, you responded to that differently than I did. I mean, cause it didn't turn you off from physical activity, but for me, once I got out of playing sports, that was, that was my mental association with being physically fit. And so my attitude was, I can't do that. So you got burned out. I, well, I got demoralized. Uh, it wasn't burned out. It was, it was such a uh, such a thing that I'll never be able to reach again. It's mm-hmm. not accessible to me. I mean, that's what I'm telling myself. I want to be a little more physical, but I can't do that. And yeah. not not only can I not do it, I was telling myself, I don't want to do it. Why do I want to feel that? Because you don't want to go outside that comfort level. Right. And so the, the, I tell everybody my journey to fitness started in my head before it started in any other muscle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was just someone showed me a strategy that made physical fitness accessible for me at the time of where I was. And that was, and I never heard about mm-hmm. blue zones, red zones, all that other stuff. They knew I had an Apple watch. Mm-hmm. They did the whole 220 minus whatever your thing is. 220 minus your age. Yeah, minus your max heart rate. Your max heart rate. Mm -hmm. And so they showed me where my blue zone was. Mm -hmm. And they says, just do a commit to me for the next two weeks for six days a week. You'll do something for an hour in the blue zone. That's all you got to do. Yeah. So I did that and I started seeing results immediately. Yeah. Immediately. I started saying I didn't eat any different. I wasn't changing anything. I was just, I went to the gym. I got on the treadmill. You the know, treadmills that don't work. The treadmills that don't work. <laughs> and I was just, and that's what you you guys saw. I would just jack up. I was like, okay, how do I do it? So I walked slow, but I would have. Trying it. to get that heart rate up. Yeah, yeah just, I was just working the heart rate. And I was just watching that. And I did it. I 
popped in my earphones because I'm a big podcaster, so I'm listening to one of my favorite yeah, yeah. podcasts, and that's why I gave what his face a hard time that time. He was he was yelling on the bullhorn or something in the office over to the side. And so in our I, office? Not your office, oh. the office in the you know where the treadmills are, that that the coach's office? Yeah. Oh, the trainer's office. The trainer's yeah, office. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that treadmill, that used to be my treadmill, the one right yeah, beside yeah. that. Uh-huh. And so he uh, he was, they were joking. They had that sound system in there. So I pulled him over. I said, hey. And he looked at me and said, are these too loud? I'm not disturbing you, am I? <laughs> <laughs> Who was it? Was it Marco? Marco. Okay. I was giving Marco a was, was he doing a class? No, he was testing it because he's about to go into a class. Oh, okay. And it was just, they were just being loud, ra- which is being fine. Yeah. It was being loud, but I. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> Oh, I forget hilarious. her name, but she bent over double. Was laughing. it Annie? Annie. She bent over double laughing. I got him. <laughs> I was like, hey, are these too loud? I don't want to be disturbing you, but I, I feel like you might not be able to hear because. <laughs> and that's that's what I like about you. You have a good sense of humor. We, you have to have a good sense of humor. Oh, you have to. You it's have just, to. Life is uh, too serious. Oh, it is. And, you know, you have to be willing to make jokes. Well, I tell you, I think that the key to a good sense of humor is being in a mental state where you first and foremost, you can laugh at yourself. Oh yeah. I make fun of myself all the time. I, that's all the time. 90% of my jokes are self self defecating. I just, well, and I tell people that, all over I'll say, look, I'm gonna make fun of you, but I'm going to make fun of myself as well. Exactly. Well, I always, I, I, I start off making fun of myself just so I earn the right to be able to make fun of you. That's true. Gives you a, a free card. <laughs> right. Look, I, I'm an equal opportunist here. All right. Well, we'll be back right after this. Can't touch the button. So that was my conversation with Rose Saucier over at Anytime Fitness. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had two great guests on, had some great conversations, and I want to encourage you, get comfortable with being uncomfortable because you will go to the next level. Why? Because you are worth more. Thank you for listening to our show today. If you have any questions or would like to speak with us about your goals, then please call or text us at 864-507-9696. Reach out to us online at terrywilson3.com. 